You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 459. In this episode, Jill McCabe and I talk about how to use neuroscience to reprogram your brain and break through your blocks. Today, Jill McCabe joins me on the show. Jill is a best-selling author, teacher, and a coach in the fields of business success, finding one's purpose, and the science of high performance and change. Her best-selling book, It's Go Time, Build the Business and Life You Really Want, helps people build expertise-based businesses doing what they love. And in this episode, we talk about how to use neuroscience to reprogram your brain and break through your blocks. Before we get started, I want to ask you, are you tired of working too much and making too little? If you're a freelancer or a coach with as many clients as you can handle, but you can't seem to get out of this overworked trap, I can help. I invite you to apply to receive a personal assessment from one of my expert coaches where they will help you figure out the steps to take get out of this trap. Go to sigrun.com forward slash scale to apply. I am so excited to speak to my brand new friend, Jill McCabe, about how you can use neuroscience to reprogram your brain and break through your blocks. A very warm welcome on the show, Jill. Thank you so much, Sigrun. I'm so glad to be here and to count myself as one of your new friends. Yes. I joined a new program. Oh, I'm going to spill the beans on this one. I've been wanting to write a book forever, and I finally bit the bullet and hired someone to help me do it. But because guess what? If you have been trying to do something for a long time and it's not happening, what do you need to do? Hire a coach. And as a coach myself, I need to eat my own dog food and hire a coach. And so in this program, what did I have to do? Connect with at least one person. And... Here she is, Jill, and I am so happy. We just met this week and we're already doing a podcast because I was so fascinated about what she does. But before we dive into the topic of the show, I am always curious about what has brought you to this place, like neuroscience. How did you get into that? And, you know, how can you help people? You know, how did you know you could help people this way? Like, how far do we need to go back? We need to go back about 10 years, uh, a little over 10 years ago, I had a life, I had a life-changing event. I had a serious car accident, 18 months of rehab. I won't go into that. It was a tough time, but as I came out of that, as is, you know, common, I think I was in a bit of an existential crisis, you know, what should I do? And I want my life to be meaningful and it, I can't just go back to my kids. Back then I was a consultant. I was doing quite well, but I felt empty and, uh, and it wasn't an easy journey for me, you know, and I read like self-help books, like do, 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 do. And I was a consultant in the area of building entrepreneurial businesses. So I already knew a lot about, you know, how to, you know, make stuff happen and goals and everything started with a goal. And then I got really interested in goals because I was reading books on goals. I was setting goals. I was trying to figure out what my goals were. And, you know, then let, let's just bring forward like four or five years. And the importance of goals was extremely clear. 
everybody wants you to set them. Everything starts with one. And when I got really honest with myself, a lot of my goals were not happening, you know? And so it was interesting. I was going into organizations and I'd be like, let's set goals, you know? And then I'd set my own goals and stuff would happen um, and others would not. So I found it really interesting. Um, so I did quite well uh, as a consultant, but when it came to building my own business, it just felt like I kept falling on my face. <laughs> you know, I just felt like all I was really cut out to do was get a paycheck from someone else. And that, that kind of freaked me out. So I went to, I did, um, so then I wanted to do my own business and then I wanted to be credible. Okay. So here I had, I'd help people make over a hundred million dollars cigarette but I didn't think I was credible. <laughs> Imposter syndrome there. A little bit of, because I was a high school dropout and I learned about business in like in the street, so to speak. Like I, I learned about business by building businesses. And then I thought, well, if I'm trying to get bigger, no one's going to like, you know, a dyslexic high school dropout. They're going to want like, you know, they're going to want to see a, you know, a university degree. So I didn't even have university, but I got accepted uh, into a master's program based on my life accomplishments. Like I'd been an internationally renowned restaurateur. Then I had been a consultant in all these fields. I had letters from client, you know, so fill them in. And then I got interested in, you know, if goals are so important, a lot of behavioral science, which I had studied to that point to do change leadership, tells you that something is, but neuroscience can help us understand why, right? They're using fMRIs and, FR and MRIs and they're, they're measuring our brains. And so I thought I needed to understand why goals work so that I could understand why some of mine weren't working. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's going on? Um, and at the time I was fortunate my partner's an academic, very, very illustrious academic. So he was able to introduce me to one of the top neuroscientists in the world today in the area of goal cognition and the brain, where I was able to get a hold of research that's not even broadly available because it's currently being discussed in like the top universities around the world. And it usually takes several years to get to the population. So, I mean, it was just a ridiculous look because I was looking for this information and couldn't find it. So anyway, this neuroscientist took me under his wing, pointed me, and he helped guide some of my research. Yeah. So you're at this point of like, yeah, okay, I'm interested. And then what did you realize? Did you then learn like why do sometimes we set goals and we don't achieve them? I did. Yeah, I did. So I learned that uh, neuroscientists at this time are talking about something called hot goals. And um, so the amygdala, which a lot of people in the self-help space uh, talk about, has actually been a little bit maligned. Um, a lot there, it's been misunderstood to some degree. Most people, if you mention the amygdala, will say, oh yes, the fight or flight or freeze area of the brain. Uh -huh. But uh, this neuroscientist was like, no, 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 no. It's the action center of the brain. Yeah. Which is, these are subtleties, by the way, for anyone listening, these are subtleties that will fit with everything you know, and just enrich it a little, right? And these enrichments can make all the difference, and at least they did to me. So the idea here is that this is the action center of our brain, and it's just science up until that point had only looked at the negative motivation actions. But in fact... Um, our actions, what we see, what we say, and what we do 
uh, is triggered in a subconscious region of our brain, milliseconds up to 10, I think 10 or 11, it's in my book, uh, 10 or 11 seconds prior to our conscious being aware of it. And that was like a, that was like a stop the bus moment for me. Like what, what, wait a second. I've been trying to make goals happen, but there's a part of my brain making all the decisions, like 95% about the decisions about what I see, say, and do. That's so indirect. I need to get influence over this part of my brain versus goal setting. And so that's when I had this profound shift in understanding. I mean, Sigrun, you and I both know working in a business, it's just, I mean, whether, no matter what you're doing, if you're ambitious, but if you're in business in particular, you are taking on so many tasks, you cannot draw on willpower for all of those tasks. So willpower, yes. Can you do things from the conscious region of your brain? hundred percent. Like I couldn't program this part of my brain without the use of my conscious, but so there's some tricks involved, like the conscious part of our brain and, the, and this part of our brain that's causing our action to happen have two different languages. So it's not just as easy as writing a goal and going, okay, there, Oakley Doakley, I'm going to get that to happen. No, we actually have to get it into this part of the brain. I mean, at least I wanted to, um, I don't know, it's like the ultimate laziness. If I'm because I realized if I program this part of my brain, then it will worry about motivation. It will just automatically do what I want it to do. And life could get so much easier. And so that's what I started becoming interesting is how do you get this part of your brain to just automatically work on the things that are important to you so that they happen. Mm. And um, I've, I've become, you know, pretty good at it. Yeah. And you help people do it. Yeah. And you focus on people above 50. What, what is in particularly difficult about that age? I just turned 50. So I want to know. Welcome to my world. Um, what's particularly, I mean, some of people, some extraordinary people in their forties slip into my world. Uh, and I think I even have one extraordinary individual in her thirties, uh, but mostly 50 to 60. And what's specific about that age is how much, um, experience. And so, uh, anyone, I, I mean, a more commonly understood part of neuroscience is fire together, wire together. And that every time we take on an action, we, um, there's a neurosynapses in our brain and the neuro connectors kind of get thicker and thicker and thicker. Um, and so by 50, it's just, we're really set in our ways, like neurologically. Oh, it's like, <laughs> you it's know? like you can't teach an old dog how to sit kind of. Yeah. And you can, it's just, it takes a little more chipping away. The other thing that I love about working with people in their fifties and sixties is how experienced and capable they are. I just love working with people with a lifetime of experience, knowledge, um, emotional intelligence, intelligence. I, I love that rich landscape of ability. And especially when it's combined with someone who's like, I'm still hundred percent living, hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm still a hundred percent. I've got so much to offer. And I find what's specific about them is they have a hard, the people who find me are struggling to choose what to do because they have so many options. They're over, they actually like they're overwhelmed by options. If there was like a villain in their life, it's actually they're 
their vast amount of ability mm. is the villain. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I get it. I, can I get it. So much. How yeah. can I choose? And, and that's, um, I'm, I'm uniquely positioned to help those people because I can help them figure out what that thing is. Mm. So how do you reprogram your brain with neuroscience? So we spoke earlier this week as we were getting to know each other. And uh, what I found fascinating is, you know, there's a lot of people that say, you know, uncover your limiting beliefs and then, you know, get rid of those blocks. But your approach is a bit different. Yeah. So explain how does that work? The beautiful part about reprogramming yourself for anyone listening is that it's completely possible. Mm. It could take time, mm-hmm. but the things that you need to do are relatively easy. So if I'm going to give you one idea, I mean, it would be hard for me to cover all the possible ways I approach this, but one of the original ideas that I would use, you know, so we still talk about reprogramming old beliefs. You don't actually always have to know what the old belief is. Ooh, okay. You don't I like actually, that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's not, we don't. So when those uh, yeah. Isn't that good? Like yes. you don't have to find every, like, you know, because what you focus on grows. So even going and looking for it can create sort of a negative, um, focus because your subconscious is not actually, I'm just going to call it the subconscious, even though it's a little more technical, but it, we're just going to do that to make it easy. It's not, um, anything you think about grows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's industry. It's indiscriminate. Huh. So it's almost a problem to go and look back. Now I do, sometimes it just pops up like backstories and I will share one, like I can share some that are quite surprising because it's not always like a really super negative story. Mm. And I think it's important for people to understand. So this is what happens. There is an event. I, we need to understand how hot goals get programmed. So hot goals get programmed. The thing is our conscious and subconscious have two different languages. So the language of our conscious mind is what we're using now, Sigrun, to have this conversation. We're using our conscious, you know, we're using, we're, we're using like thoughts, you know, it's almost like that Socratic, like ideas and like playing around with them. But the subconscious is all about keeping the body alive. And so it's all about your physical systems. So it's all about um, sensation, right? Your sensations. It's about uh, your sight, sound, touch, um, and visuals, right? So that is everything we already know, but just a little more scientific. Mm. So what's happening is we actually have to translate a goal we want into visuals and emotions. Mm. That's why... For instance, let's say I went to an event many years ago and I started to imagine having one of those events myself Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it and I'm experiencing it and then setting the goal for myself becomes a lot easier. Yes. Okay. So here's where the blocks come in. What if you also in your past, so you see this event and you want this event and you're, this is just great. You've given me really good material. <laughs> So have you had the event? Yeah, I've had regular events for several years. Yeah. Okay. So it would be good if we had one where you didn't have the the, the goal oh. without the satisfaction. Yeah. I, I have another event coming up next year, Self-Made Summit, which I've had to postpone twice. And that's a different type of event, like more like a conference versus a okay. life, life event. So 
that is a scarier goal and it hasn't happened yet. And the universe is telling me something. Well, a pandemic came along and I've had to postpone it twice. And then the brain starts to think, will it ever happen? Do I have to postpone it again? And of course, my, you know, logical thing is saying, yes, it's going to happen. You know? <laughs> but yeah, maybe that's a good I example. Think gonna, I think that's going to happen because you've done events before. So we'll go with the first, we'll just go with the first one. So you thought of this event and you had it, but if any of the listeners here have had that similar thing, you've imagined yourself leading an event, perhaps as you know, I'm speaking to the listeners here, if you have, and you're like, well, why haven't I run my event, you know, or why haven't I started my podcast or why haven't I written my book or whatever that thing is, especially these exposure type things that um, I just mentioned, right. Event podcast book. These are all exposure things. Well, it's really common, you know, with men that I work with, there's often a bullying story, right? Um, They will tell me about a bullying story from, and it could be really innocent and they didn't even think of it for the longest time, something they'd totally forgotten, but that actually said, if I'm too forward, people will come out and get me. Mm-hmm. And with uh, women often that I've worked with, it's, you know, don't show off or don't be the big, you know, whatever. And so that event, right. can be an exciting goal, but if it is actually in conflict with a goal, that's keeping you safe. Oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. And so I'm dyslexic in grade two, I was called out for doing my homework backward. And I was actually sat in the corner of the room, told I was dumb. And my friends were told not to be friends with me by my teacher. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Backwards. And, you know, obviously I've had a lot of work done around that <laughs> to talk about it, but that made me really afraid of coming out mm. and not, you know, and, 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 and being more public with my knowledge and my teaching and stuff like that. So, so those of you listening, if you're, if you have a goal that you've wanted for a long time and that goal has keeps escaping you, there is probably something else that's telling your body and brain that it's unsafe for you. So how you can fix that is simply by talking about that it's safe. So one of the things you can do is just because your brain is motivated by this part of your brain is motivated to keep you alive, mm-hmm. more life uh, by promotion and prevention goals. Prevention are those that keep you from harm and promotion are those that are good for you. Except this part of the brain is sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's really just like raw life. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't understand a beautiful house is what you, it just thinks you need a house, you know, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't understand. Simple, simple. Okay. <laughs> like you've got food, you've got a house, you're making babies. Okay. We're good. You know, so you're well, you're, we can program it to do more than that, but that we have to show it that it's good. So what we would need to do in that, oh, this brings in something fun, Sigrid, and you're like this. So if you're struggling with that, if you're look, if you're thinking, oh, I wish I could do that, but I'm not doing it. Let's just add a little complexity here. Let's have some fun. Let's say you're, you're, you're looking, you want to do it. You haven't done it. You can't figure out why. And on top of that, there's people around you. And I'm going to really rub salt in the wound here who know less than you, who are more successful than you. Oh, that's a good one because we've all been there. Someone is having that seven figure launch and I didn't have it yet. Or someone is doing a life event and I'm not doing it yet. Someone has written a book and they started their business last year and I have business over seven years. And where is my book? So yeah, yeah, we've all been there. It's awful, right? Awful. It's awful. <laughs> 
I had a life-changing moment the moment I realized if you look at that person that you are smarter than, know more than, are you have more depth to you than that person. And if you look at them with anything other than joy for what they have, you are telling your brain it's bad. Yeah. So if I look at anyone with jealousy, you're actually telling this part of the brain, danger, danger, don't have that. That's bad. Mm. So you're actually reinforcing and moving far. So the very first thing, so what, like, this is like a little hack I'm teaching. Hack. Like these are, I have, I have like literally, I, I mean, I, I have to think I have like 30 or 40 different tools. Right. But yeah. this is one right away. That's just so powerful because social influences are so incredibly important. I would say, find a way to love their success and that will completely change your relationship. I think that's so simple and it resonates so much. And I think maybe it's hard because for some reason you, you don't understand this jealousy thing of this other person. So um, yeah, find a way to love their success. That's powerful, simple and powerful. It's powerful. And then be so joyous for them and then and then say it's safe for them and it's safe for me. And then you can just start saying this is safe. And and you might even, um, so there, there's, there's one example. I worked with a client who had built tremendous businesses, like tremendous. She, she'd built like, she built tremendous businesses in the, like, she's literally the start of a couple of crazes, mm. like, like where people went like, oh my gosh, like we've never done that before. And then it took off and they got franchised. And she'd lost every business and she came to me and she wanted it to somebody to, you know, a relationship that broke up or to the business partner, or she always just came out sort of losing mm. every. And so she came to me wanting to build another business and I knew right away she would lose it. Mm. And I'm like, you're programmed to lose businesses. So that's one of the things that people would work with me on if we know that this is repetitive. And the backstory for this one, we did find the backstory. We used some techniques. The backstory for this one was um, as a child, she had bubble gum and the bubble gum had um, a wrapper with a cartoon. Yeah. And a little boy in her class kept stealing them. Oh. So what about some uh, hot goals? that you may have had as a child and you still haven't done it or or maybe seems to be difficult more difficult to do it later in life why is that yeah it's actually because of how they're programmed with the senses uh what you know visuals and emotions and we're actually more acutely emotional as kids uh there is i wish i could remember the name off the top of my head but there's a happiness institute I think it's in Sweden. Yeah. And um, there's a happiness institute. They, uh, they study happiness. And it turns out that uh, we are most emotional when an experience is novel, right? When it's new. And so it makes sense. Like we're like, oh my gosh, the first kiss, you know, or even the first concert that we go to or the first, you know, time we go on a trip somewhere and see something remarkable. These are all just wonderful experiences. And the more we've done it, the more, you know, muted our response to that becomes. And, and, and therefore um, it becomes harder to establish these hot goals because we really need to create this, you know, this excitement, which as we get older is harder because we've had more experience. 
It's not impossible. It's definitely possible, especially when we understand what's going on. So how we get these hockles in the first place can be so innocent. And I was thinking of, of a client who had been super successful many times in business. Like she'd created businesses that were runaway successes. She was even at the beginning of like movements and fitness that we've heard about. Um, but she kept losing every business to like a boyfriend when they'd break up or a business partner, something, somebody would take the business. And I thought, this is weird. And so I, I'm sort of trained to know that that will happen again. So I don't want to help her build another business. I know it's going to be amazing because she's amazing. And I know she can build businesses because she's built them before, but I know she'll also lose it unless we discover this old thing. And so in her case, it was such an innocent story, but this, keep in mind this emotion piece, the, the play, the emotion in the role, she's a little kid and she has bubble gum and the bubble gum has like, um, cartoons on it. I don't know. We had these in Canada, Bazooka Joe, I think, or something. And I don't know if they're in Europe, but uh, so these, these little cartoons and there was a kid in her class who kept stealing them from her and she could never have, you know, her cartoon and he would take them. And you can imagine, you know, maybe I have no idea what grade she was in. Imagine grade two or three. This can be a very emotional event, losing your <laughs> cartoon wrapper. Now, some some of the events are are more heartfelt that people have had. Um like, like even mine being humiliated for, for being dyslexic. And, and there are certainly more painful ones, but this one was really relevant. She had something she really liked this collection of rappers and he kept would steal like cartoons and he would steal them. And so everything I care about someone steals could have created. Yeah. Awful. So she created that story unconsciously. Unconscious. Yeah, she's a kid. But the problem is we don't realize that these motivations stay with us. And she created it. You could imagine her having a lot of emotional intensity, right? As a little child losing her bubble go, you can imagine there's this big emotional imprint there. And that emotional imprint just basically says, yeah, people are going to take my stuff. And that's what kept happening to her. And so now we've worked on that. We've cleared that and we're growing her business. And I know she's keeping this one and it's really exciting. And we've removed it. We found it. And so sometimes it can be these innocent things. There's usually layers of these, you know, you, there's usually three or four pivotal stories that will come in with everybody I work with, but that's the kind of thing. Some of them are really quite playful. And, and so we have to drum up this emotion um, later on. And that is actually. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take a whole right turn here, but I'm just going to say that is why I help people find and connect with something called, uh, you know, you can call it whatever you like, but something that intrinsically makes you feel amazing. So I help people connect with things that make them intrinsically feel amazing um, so that they can drum up more heightened emotions and that helps them set new hot goals. So it's all, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated by this stuff. Yeah, there's lots of ways to do it, as you said, over 30 different ways. And we'll link, obviously, to your book and the show notes so people can grab it and learn more. But I'm curious about this woman. When you discovered that little incident, but obviously big in her mind at that time, and it became such a huge problem for her later in life, what does it take just being aware of it, uh, but what is that kind of the, if you can, in simple terms, explain the process, how to get over those blocks then? Well, repetition. So I'll give you an easy one. Like repetition is something that you would just want to keep. So this really keep in mind that this part of the brain doesn't have concepts. Okay. So repetition of things you can see and feel 
So trying to, I teach something called thinking vitamins in the book. Um, it's just this idea of just repeating a thought. So you could use a mantra, you could use, um, create a visual. So she could put a visual of her that represents her keeping the business. Um, I'd say you try to speak to your brain as many ways as you can. So you might say with a mantra, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to grow another incredible business. And this time I'm keeping it, you know, and, and then, and I'm going to keep it because now I know it's good for me to keep things. It's actually safer for me to keep things. It's safer for me to keep things because when I keep things, I don't have to start over and starting over is actually what's not safe. Keeping things is actually safe. So it's really, it's always the brain being concerned about, you know, your safety. Cause that this part, of, and then she could, she could do things like, um, oh, like if I just, you know, you can play with it. She could do things like go back and visualize chatting to her younger self. Oh, I'll give you another one. That's like really fun. So sometimes I get people to go back and this isn't in my book. This is like work I do with people, but we'll get them to go back and talk to their younger self. Sometimes I'll get people to visualize their older self having kept something, you know, in this case, sometimes I'll get the younger self and the older self to have a chat, right? So younger self, why don't you go talk to older self and find out what it was like to keep something. So you basically want to find this part of the brain that's created a, a fear set around this and neutralize it. And sometimes that can happen really quickly. And sometimes, uh, the original events are deeper because they were reinforced maybe with messages uh, from your environment over time. So they can be at require different levels of intervention, depending on what's there. Um, there are cases I've seen where they melt away quite quickly. And there's cases I've seen where, I mean, I've worked with one client and we were together about 11 months and then all of a sudden hers melted. Like we chipped at it from all these directions and it was like, and then eventually we got to it. And now it's just like, you know, that racehorse that was in the back and you're like, is it going to be okay? Is it going to be? And then it's like, boom, like, where did you come from? It's going to be the winner. And I have a client who, yeah, like 11 months and it was like, is she going to be okay? <laughs> you know, yeah. is she going to come through? And I kept saying, you're going to like, cause it's, you know, the beautiful part about this is it's repetition. So once you understand that you have to repeat emotions, visuals, a certain, it's just, it's honestly, it's like which neurosynapses is bigger. It's like literally mine's bigger than yours, right? So you've got this old one that was formed, you know, who knows, maybe it's like a centimeter big. Well, you need to create one that's, a, you know, a 1.1 centimeters big. You literally just have to outplay the last thing. And it's impossible to know for me, certainly without an fMRI machine or any or an MRI machine to like measure this stuff. So we just we know when the new goal is programmed because there's automatic process progress and you don't have to wake up forcing yourself. The willpower is not needed. You're just automatically doing something in a new way. And, and so you just know it's there. There's other people who can test with muscle testing. Um there's other ways of finding out whether the old trigger events are gone. Um, so, yeah. I love it. it. It sounds so simple, but of course it takes some work. And the best way to get started is to get your book. Tell me a little bit about your book. Your book is written as a business book, right? 
Huh? It's go time is the name of the book. Go time. Yeah. Lots of people who are not in business have sent me beautiful, heartfelt notes about what they got out of the book. Um, but since, you know, my background was in business, we framed it towards a business uh, clientele, but it's, it's for, uh, to understand the book helps people understand, um, it's specifically for experts, uh, people who want to develop scalable businesses on their expertise. I realized at one point because of my car accident, I realized, Hey, if I stopped working, I'd stop making money. And so I really wanted to create the kind of business where, um, there, it wasn't just all about my time where there wasn't like Mm. a direct relationship between. And when you are the product, when you're building a business that has like, let's say, you know, selling books or toothpaste or whatever, there's a product that's not your time to actually, you know, deliver the service, but I was selling my expertise as a consultant. So that's what that book is for. And it actually, you know, it's based on the belief that really successful businesses need to be built from the inside out. Uh, So it starts with the understanding of the neuroscience of the, of what's going on. And then it shares uh, activities to find anything that's specifically getting in someone's way and it shares activities to overcome it. And then it moves into a data, a data-driven approach to actually discover your purpose, which intrinsically feels good. So it's kind of after you get sort of these tools, you also get a chapter that teaches you how to, um, to drum up a greater sense of energy about your life, like just to just enjoy life more. And I teach you a, a kind of a data-driven technique for that. And then, uh, and then it goes on to teach the science of seem of achieving seemingly impossible goals. Because my background in behavioral science did teach me that we are all capable of really making success inevitable, even on big goals, if we understand the levers, uh, which are the social environmental and personal levers, you can literally rearrange, this is my background in change leadership, you can literally rearrange your environment and make success inevitable. Uh, So Mm. I teach that in the book as well. And I'm so excited. Um, I held off, we held off releasing it with the publisher for a year because of COVID and a book entitled, right? Like it's go time during lockdown didn't feel right, you know? But the book is available now if someone it's wants available to have it. on Amazon now. Um, yeah. and it will be available uh, you know, soon enough in bookstores. And I uh yes, I can give away free copies at my website as well. I'll have a special link where I'll offer free copies. Yes, we'll share that all in the show notes. This is fascinating. We could go on forever, but you are my new friend, which means we will have a chance to talk again. Jill. I just want to say thank you for coming on the show and we will continue this conversation one more time in the future. I loved being on the show. Um, I love being your new friend more <laughs> because you are so cool and I want to keep these conversations going. And uh, to anyone listening, I'm just so excited for you to discover and create your new hot goals for things you uh, dream about. Go to the show notes at sigma.com forward slash 459 to see how you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts and receive a small gift as a thank you. Plus, in the show notes, you can also apply to have a personal assessment. If you are working too much and earning too little, 
then this personal assessment is for you. You just go and follow the link and then you will be contacted by one of my expert coaches for a call. And in the show notes, of course, we have all the links to Jill McCabe, her book, and to her website where you can get a free copy of her book. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. See you in the next episode.